Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Uh, but did you get to see any of the Baltimore game last night, Baltimore Bengals? Of course I did. Yeah, I got in just in time to catch that uh, the A.J. Green show, which was about as good as you get out there. I think he's one of the most underrated players, not wide receivers, players in the entire NFL, in large part because he's been on such a bad team. And this, the Bengals are just... They're like that team that's kind of overlooked because they're always kind of decent and they're not like the Jets or the Bills have been or the Browns and they're not as great as, you know, some of these teams that are at the forefront that are making the playoffs every year. So he just kind of gets lost in the shuffle of mediocrity. But you saw what he can do last night. And I, I mean, if you're Andy Dalton, you got to take that dude to dinner this week or, or even more. Like you got to get him some kind of gift after the show he, uh, he put on. Yeah, I guess. My, my question would be, cause you got the Bengals now. I mean, in a division where it's typically, right, the Steelers and then the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens would contend sometimes, but I mean, you're, when you're talking about the hierarchy of the division, you've got the Steelers, the Ravens, and then the Bengals are somewhere like in the middle. I don't know that anyone really trusts Andy Dalton outside of Cincinnati. Um, they're sitting at two and oh atop the division. Like, do you think that things could play out like this for them? Or do you think this is just kind of early the way the schedule is set up and, and they'll kind of default to, uh, to the norm? So I think they're a good football team, but I think that's all they can be. I, and I think they're a little bit hamstrung at quarterback with Andy Dalton. He's the epitome of your game manager, right? Like he's not going to put a team on his back and go win the game for you, and yet he's not going to put you in a bad situation and throw a lot of turnovers. Although in this series against the Ravens, he's had more interceptions than touchdowns, which is why they've struggled so much against this Ravens team, which a lot of teams do. I mean, it's a really good defense. But – I just don't look at this team and say, oh, this is a legit Super Bowl contender. Some of it has to do with Andy Dalton. Some of it has to do with Marvin Lewis, who for 15 years has been head coach of this team. One of the longest tender uh, coaches in the entire NFL. 0-7 in the playoffs, never made it through the wild card round. I, I keep looking at him surprised he makes it this long without getting fired because in the NFL, it is a bottom line business. You look at results. And for whatever reason, the Bengals have not been able to deliver on those results. They've had their issues. They've taken, you know, risks on guys. They've had an undisciplined team. You saw that happen with Vontez Perfect, the linebacker, and the kind of the his history that they've had with the Steelers, getting guys in fights, a lot of uh, personal fouls, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. I just don't trust this team to make a deep run. But, I mean, maybe it's one of those situations where you look at it, hey, you keep trying, you keep getting close. One of these days they punch through. In an AFC, which is completely wide open, you look at it and you're like, maybe this would be the year that they could kind of make a run. Yeah, I, so let me ask you a question. And this is, I mean, obviously Joe Flacco didn't look like Joe Flacco from game one going 32 or 55. I mean, that's a lot of balls. Uh, 376 yards, but he had the bad mistake early. I thought the one pick early where he threw it out in front, he tried to lead the guy a little bit. That that was just yep. a momentum play. I think they never recovered from that. Uh, two TDs, two picks, and he was sacked four times. Um, let's. I don't want to talk about his play, though, but... You know, I watch him, and I'm watching body language, like when Lamar Jackson comes in for these packages, right? But you kind of said on the show yesterday that Lamar was going to have a wow moment. It didn't happen, but I kind of agree with you that eventually it will happen, like if they keep rolling him out there. 
But the more concerning thing for me is watching Joe Flacco and his body language when they ask him to split, you know, out wide or they throw him in the slot um, while they've got Lamar under center to run this read option. He just looks like a dude who has no interest in participating in that. You're right, because he doesn't. And uh, Troy Aikman talked a little bit about it during the game last night. He said any franchise quarterback wouldn't want to have to split out a wide receiver or change the way they play the game. And he is spot on right. The thing is, if you're Joe Flacco, you've got to realize, and I'm sure he does somewhat, that this is the future of the organization. That's probably why it bothers him even more as he realizes, hey, I have to play great this season or I'm probably going to be out of here. And it can be very frustrating. It takes you out of the flow of the game. But when your offensive line is struggling that much and they only run for 66 yards in the game, you've got to... You've got to do whatever it takes. And at that point, I think you could, if you're Joe Flacco, you say, hey, maybe Lamar Jackson is a weapon we can use that will keep some of these defenses off balance. Because, and that, I was flat out saying, why don't they play Lamar Jackson last night? Like I was watching Joe Flacco struggle with protection and you're like, hey, why not put in a quarterback who can escape if there is that kind of pocket breakdown where you don't have the pass protection? But for me, I, I am with you. I did not like the body languages. Flacco's never been a guy that's going to go out there and be a rah-rah type you know, leader that's going to be out there, you know, showing a tremendous amount of emotion or energy. But I am with you. I thought he looked a little bit, and maybe it was due to the pass protection, the lack of it. But I think some of it was he's getting a little bit irked by Lamar Jackson coming out there. And even worse, when you try him in these plays and they don't work, then you're frustrated because you're thinking, oh man, like what, you know, like this, why are we doing this? Then you start looking over at the offensive coordinator and say, well, what's the point? But Raja, I don't know if you saw, there was one that came in there. It was in the second half. They ran Lamar Jackson. He was more of a decoy. And they had the slot receiver wide open down the middle of the field because Lamar was out there as a decoy, and he missed him. So you can see the advantages that even just having Lamar Jackson on the field has as far as a play caller when you dial up plays, but you've got to take advantage of him. But I'm with you. I saw a very disgruntled uh, Joe Flacco out there. Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you just said, and they got to figure out how to run the ball or they're not going to have much of a hope. Um, hey, but let's keep it moving to some games that will be coming up this weekend. They got some pretty big games on the slate. Uh, the first I got here is the Vikings and the Packers. You know, obviously there's some concern about, um, you know, about, uh, uh why can't I call his Aaron name? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, sorry. Um, and whether he'll be able to play, I can't call his name, it's right here on my rundown, Aaron Rodgers. But anyway, um, if both <laughs> hey, he's of these- one of the greatest of all time, but I'm Yeah, I mean, what are, you, what are you gonna do? If, if <laughs> hey, both of the teams are healthy, right? Um, Obviously, the, they have Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, but you, you would make the argument that the rest of the roster is probably better um, in Minnesota defensively and and with some of the weapons that that um, that they have there. What who, who's got the better squad? Like, who do you give the advantage to in this game? Uh, it's not even close, Raja. It's the Vikings, with or without you know whether they're facing Aaron Rodgers or not. The Vikings are just better at skill position on offensive side of the ball uh, with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook coming out of the backfield. And then the defense is one of the top defenses in the entire NFL. The Packers just don't have that much to work with. And I, the thing that's really interesting for me is this is going to be a tough call for the Packers to make, I think, because I think Aaron Rodgers is going to want to play. I think he's going to say, I can play. Let me suit up. He doesn't need to practice. He admitted as much when he was asked by reporters, said, hey, you know, what do you need to practice to play? And he simply said, nope. Like it was a one word, nope. And he was like, are you kidding me? I've been in the league forever. I don't need practice. And he's right. But I think this is one where Mike McCarthy and the management needs to come in and make a decision about, all right, do we want to protect our franchise in the future and roll Aaron out there on, and no matter what, I think we could all agree he's probably not going to be as mobile as he normally is. 
And do you want to put him out there to that Minnesota Vikings defense and let him get possibly shellacked throughout the game? I would say you're better off kind of sacrificing the game, rolling out to Sean Kaiser, trying to make it an ugly, low-scoring affair, but that's not going to be easy. But then saying, all right, we're going to move for the future, and you buy an extra week of rest for uh, for Aaron Rodgers. I think that's the smart thing, but I don't I – don't, it's tough when you've got a player like Aaron Rodgers who's going to probably be pestering them, saying, let me play, let me play. It's going to be a tough call for them to make. Yeah, and it's tougher in football than it is in basketball because uh, you've got less – amount of time to really secure your 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 playoff positioning and whatnot. I think for me it depends on whether that's an injury obviously that he could make worse or if it's something just that it's a pain tolerance or pain threshold type of deal. Uh but I, I agree with you in that um front office, medical staff, um people whose job it is to to kind of get that information and dissect it. It's their job to kind of protect the player from himself. Um, at times. So let's talk about this Patriots Jags game because your boy Jalen Raza. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. By the way, Vikings have owned Green Bay over the last five meetings. They're four and one over the last five meetings. So I mean, it's kind of in the results with or without Aaron Rodgers. They're just flat out the better team, the better roster. And I think it's going to continue that way. All right. Pats Jags. Uh, this is the game. I cannot wait to watch our boy Jalen Ramsey has been yapping a mean storm. Like all offseason, every publication he's talked to been calling out people left or right. We saw Brady and Gronk's response on this show yesterday when they were, you know, laughing it off. You know it's bothered them. I cannot wait to see in this AFC championship rematch if Brady and the Patriots go after Jalen Ramsey. Like if they say, all right, we're going to try to get aggressive and show this young player like what's really up. I, I think there's a chance they might. Let's see. Let's see what Jalen's got to say about it. Then, you, when you play the game of football, I feel like um, to respect the game, you have to play it fierce. You got to play it. I, I, I don't believe in having friends on the field. Like, I mean, if my brother, if my dad, if my mom, grandma was out there. Like, it's it's on. Like after the game, we can be cool. It doesn't matter. That's how I feel like you got to respect the game of football. The fo- football is not a game meant to be played, being nice to each other and, and all that. Like kumbaya. Um, but after the game's over with, that's cool. You wouldn't really hit your camera. No, I definitely would. She know that. <laughs> <laughs> My grandma know that. I love you, but you know that. <laughs> I love you, grandma, but I'll hit you. I love that. Yeah, me too. And look, I'm I'm looking forward to look Brady. Here's the deal. Back Brady has been fantastic against Jacksonville, right? Like he, five and zero. Oh, you just kind of reference some of that. Um, I, I'm not really looking. I'm not trying to get caught up. If I'm the Patriots, um, Jalen can get caught up in this matchup. I feel like you know when I was a defender, right, and I played. When I played basketball, my job was to get under your skin. I, I was the the guy that wanted to get you riled up, try to see if I could get a Kobe or a Ray Allen or a Manu Ginobili or a D. Wade to get engaged in this one-on-one battle with me and kind of forget about whatever the game plan was offensively. And I felt like as a defender, um, it lent itself to me and my team being more successful if I can do that. And so... You know, I think you saw the Patriots in their press conference take the right approach. Like, while Jalen can have this, like, this attitude, like the Pats can't. They have to just be business as usual. They can't really concern themselves with Jalen. Now, clearly, there may be some, you know, there may be some scheming and game planning to to maybe not target, you know, his side of the field or whoever he's on as much because he's a very quality player. But in terms of getting caught up in the back and forth with Jalen Ramsey, like you can't do that. It only hurts an offense. It could help a defense, but it only hurts an offense. You, if you want like the the best picture of what happens when a defensive back can get in a player's head, 
Go back and look at the uh, Josh Norman against Odell Beckham when Odell Beckham lost his mind and had two personal conduct fouls against him. Like, that's ideally why you talk smack. You want to take players out of their game. And I think that Jalen Ramsey knows that. I mean, it's a, it's a tactic that's been used for a long time by defensive backs because they're chattering out there the entire game. So I'm with you. I think the Patriots have taken the right approach, but you wonder what it'll be like on game day. I think Gronk is one of those guys where I don't think he gets into it. He's so, like, goofy and is not going to get mad. Like, he almost laughs off stuff like that. And I think it's to the point now where what are you really going to say that really is going to irk somebody that bad? Like, is there any dirt you have on him? Because that was a lot of the accusations that were made against Odell Beckham. There was some some really nasty, questionable things that were being thrown around him, around the NFL, rumors about his lifestyle off the field. You can kind of guess where I'm going with that. And so players would use that on the field, and it really bothered Odell Beckham Jr. Let's and I talk. Think, like I don't. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to ask you, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but obviously we got a little disconnect because of the situation. Um, but I, just in terms of the game, because I mean, you know, we're talking about on all the on the field, in between the lines, like you know, player to player stuff. But these are two teams that you could potentially see, you know, in an AFC Championship situation, right? Like, what what do you do? You think the Jags and that defense? Um, with Blake Bortles and another year under their belt are ready to take the mantle from, from the Patriots? Or are you just riding with, with, with Tom and, and, um, and crew? So, you know, my preseason pick was the Pat Patriots to the Super Bowl, but in this game specifically, I do feel like Jacksonville has the edge. Their defense is better. I think Brady is still trying to figure out some of his offensive weapons. Who's he going to be throwing to? Who's going to emerge as his top target other than Gronk? Like you can, you can only rely on Gronk so much. You've got to be able to spread the football around. They're signing guys like Corey Coleman, trying to find a receiver to step to the forefront. I think this Jaguars defense is going to have its, have its way as far as pressuring Brady. And if, if, if you, as great as Brady is, if you can pressure him with just four guys up front, it changes the outcome of the game. Cause it's just, he, he can't, he's not a scrambler and he can only do so many things where he gets the ball out of his hands quickly. So I actually like the Jags roster. The thing to keep an eye on in this game is Leonard Fournette. Been out with a hamstring injury. It, how is he gonna be impacted in this game? He says he's getting closer to playing. This offense isn't built around Blake Bortles. It's right. It's, it's built around Leonard Fournette. All right. Well, let's, let's move over to the NFC East and we got a game, uh, traditional like power struggle in that division. You have the Giants and the Cowboys and let's start with the little sound we got from, from, um, the Giants safety Landon Collins, uh, regarding Dak. Uh, honestly, it, it's just like you say, we just really got to focus on stopping Zeke. Making sure that every run gap, every we playing our gap assignments, we making sure we close the air out of um of their offensive running game. If we do that, put the ball into deck uh, hands. I mean, I think we have a better shot of winning. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Yeah, that's that's one of those things, Danny. Where like, I don't think I think he was led into that question. Um, I don't think he meant it the way it came out. But it certainly came out. It was a genuine emotion. And I think a lot of people feel like that these days. That if you can get that run game in Ezekiel Elliott's stop, um, the Dak Prescott isn't going to give them the same opportunity to win. Um, but I don't think he meant to say it, which is like, that's a shame for me. I want guys to say what they mean to say. I think he was led into that question. But what are your thoughts on what ultimately was said? So Dak Prescott's response was challenge accepted. I love it. I mean, again, it's one of those things where, 
you're just stating the obvious. Like you, if you want to stop this Dallas Cowboys uh, offense, you've got to have to stop Ezekiel Elliott. I am very concerned about Dak Prescott's future as the franchise quarterback of the Cowboys. This is one of those games, and I know it's early, but this is the year in his third year in the NFL where you're trying to judge, do we keep this guy for the future? And to me, it feels like right now he's kind of in that middle zone, like like a Ryan Tannehill where you kind of had some success, but you don't know, and it's a bad spot to be in. He's got to get better when they don't have the run game. And, and when he, because I mean, he got pressured in their week one matchup. He got six sacks. He's running for his life. They have no, no ability to run the football. If you do that, he's been exposed as a passer who can't just put the team on his back. And this feels a game like me, like you're, like the Giants are going, every team that they face is going to try to be shutting down Ezekiel Elliott. The biggest issue for me is the loss of their center, uh, Travis Frederick. The center is the quarterback of the offensive line. He directs all the protections kind of the cohesive the most cohesive aspect to of the offensive line and if he's not there i think you've seen how much it's hurt that offensive line i got you all right well we went a little long i wanted to get to a couple other games but uh, there's some good ones out there you got the panthers and the falcons the chiefs and the steelers um anything real quick on those before we go to break um i think panthers falcons you got to well, this is one of the, the toughest division i think in the nfl the nfc south for the Falcons playing at home, it sure feels like a must-win situation. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, watch out for him. We talked about the Falcons in the red zone have got to get better. And then let's see how the Panthers are without Greg Olson. With that foot injury, he's out extended period of time. I think DJ Moore, watch out for the rookie. He's got to emerge as a target. Didn't have any catches in week one. First-round draft pick, got to get him involved. And watch out for a heavy workload for Christian McCaffrey um, in this offense because Cam, as great as he is, They've got to find somebody else to kind of help him out. You think Ben plays for the Steelers? I do. I think he's a guy that doesn't need to practice, and he's probably like, hey, i got an elbow issue. Uh, why risk it? So I think he'll absolutely be out in the field. I got you, bro. Let's go to break real quick. Um, so, Danny, let's <laughs> let's keep it moving, man. Let's get to a full slate of, of college yeah. games on Saturday. Um, before we – I got this whole rundown, but, like, what game are you most looking forward to this weekend? I'm here in Dallas for Ohio State TCU. That's probably, I'm more interested in the LSU Auburn game, which we're going to get to in a minute. But this Auburn, uh, Ohio State TCU game is going to be interesting because really when you looked at Urban Meyer's suspension, it was like, oh, all right, they'll be fine in week one and two. They play Oregon State. They play Rutgers. It doesn't matter who could coach. You or I could coach that game. This one does feel like, hey, it's a top 25 opponent. It's, uh, it's, neutral site but it's in arlington which is right down the street from tcu so it's essentially a tcu uh home game and you wonder like hey is this the time they get tested is this a potential slip-up game vegas has them as a heavy favorite they're a 12 and a half point favorite i still look at this team and they have handled their business they've done exactly what they needed to do for those first two games blowing out both their opponents and dwayne haskins looks like he's taken this offense to the next level um so far like hasn't you know has looked pretty close to flawless so i think this ohio state team should be fine but you just never know in a spot like this with interim coach ryan day how do they respond uh against the tcu team yeah i mean look dwayne haskins you just talked about him he's in his last game against Rutgers, right he had four touchdown passes opposed to three incompletions like that's i i would say <laughs> that's not like a duplicatable feat like that's not who he is truly who he is but he's somewhere um between that and probably above what they were getting from the quarterback position uh, from the last couple years, I guess my question is: Do you have any, do you have any concerns about when things go 
poorly for Dwayne? Because everything's been great, you know, and it's easy to yes. play when things are going well. Are there are there any concerns from you? Because I hear you talk about it a lot, wanting all to see time. what happens when someone gets hit in the mouth. Yep, all the time. And I was a little bit mad at myself because I've fallen in love with Sam Darnold after one game. And, I'm, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, I wanted to see how he did. He had his rough game. Now I can't wait to see how he responds after throwing three picks in his week one game. You are spot on because it's easy when you're out there playing these stat padding games and you're throwing nine touchdowns, one interception, it's a piece of cake. What do you do when you get hit in the mouth? What do you do when you get sacked a few times? And worse, like, what do you do when you throw a pick six? Now, we saw a little bit of that with Darnold against uh, the, uh, their first game against the Lions when he threw the pick six. But what do you do in a hostile environment when things kind of go against you? And I promise you, Raja, as much as people are, you know, Ohio State's heavy, uh, heavy favorite, I liked him to win this game, a lot of times... We in general, everybody, college football fans, college football media, will sleep on Gary Patterson. He's one of the best defensive minds in the game. He's won four out of the last five home games versus top 25 opponents. Uh, he's just, he has a way for game planning for guys, and he's going to create some things. He's going to present some issues for Dwayne Haskins early in this game. So it'll be a really good judge to watch and see how he responds against the top-tier defensive coordinator. Texas and a head coach. T- TCU's crazy because every year I look up and they're ranked like number fifteen in the country. Like yep, always. Yeah, yep. every every they're every the year. Model of consistency. Yeah. Watch right, out look. for this dude, Cavante Turpin. We'll keep an eye on him for TCU. Special teams guy, wide receiver. He gets he can he can get loose. I don't think TCU can hang for with Ohio State in a shootout. But in my mind, that's their best way of hanging around this game. So keep an eye and see if TCU can score with them, go score for score. Because as good as their defense is, I think Ohio State has so many weapons offensively. I don't know how they can keep up. Got it. All right, let's keep it moving to the game you talked about. You kind of teased it, this LSU-Auburn game. Um, it's, it's the SEC game of the week on CBS. These are like these two heavyweight um, SEC teams. I think for, for me what it comes down to, and I'll let you talk about it a little bit, is like Jared Stidham, I know what I'm going to get. Like He is a proven entity in college football. He's really good. I'd really love to hear your opinion on like his pro prospect status. Like That'd be interesting to me. But in terms of Joe Burrow, while he played okay against the Canes, I just think he played okay. Uh, and on the season, he's 47.7 completion percentage, which is fourth worst among qualified FBS quarterbacks. Um, and when he's he's not been protected well, and when he's not protected, he's even worse, completing 2 of 15. He's going to be under a lot of pressure from that Auburn defensive line. Uh, does LSU have any chance in, in, in Jordan-Hare this weekend? They have some chance, but it's kind of – I don't, I don't want to go as far as the Jim Carrey line. Like, So you're saying there's a chance. It's not that bad. Um, but they, I mean, there's a reason Auburn is, you know, such a heavy favorite at ten and a half points. It's at home. I think you've got the revenge factor of what happened last year with this team, uh, because Auburn was there with twenty to nothing on the road, blew that lead, um, really was dominant in that first half, and then just kind of let up. I don't see them letting up as much in this game. I think they're just simply the better team. That week one win against Miami that you're talking about, it was an impressive win, but we don't really know how great that was just yet. I mean, Miami had won their second game, you know, blue scored 77 points against a, you know, an FCS opponent. Let's see how good Miami is and let's see how good LSU is. Raza, the more I look at college football, I do feel like you're starting to see a separation of the haves and the have nots. And I think Auburn is in that group of the haves. And I don't think LSU is in that group. So that's why you're seeing this disparity similar to the Ohio State TCU game. Like the, in the top 10, they're, yeah, they're, of course, they're top 25 matchups and rankings, which, yeah, you would think they'd be field goal differences. 
But because there's such a talent gap in these top teams in the top eight, top nine, that's why you're seeing some of these disparities in the point spreads, which I think are accurate. I just don't think LSU is, is as talented uh, as Auburn is at this point. Uh, so, look, we got two young QBs uh, in this USC-Texas matchup, right? You got JT Daniels, who was the number three quarterback in the 18 class. Sam Ellinger, who was the number eight QB in the 17 class. Um, but this feels like a game for me. I mean, Texas is, like, underwhelmed. Um, that's a whole separate topic about whether or not like that program's headed in the right direction and whether was it Coach Herman out there? Yeah, Tom Herman. He's if he doesn't win this game, Raja, he's on the hot seat. Like it's pure and simple. Like he's he's going to be in trouble if he doesn't win this game. Especially back to back years, they've lost to Maryland. Last year they got spanked. This year they went on the road and had that week one win, which was such an emotional win for Maryland. But you've got to start winning. You, You like where's your signature win if you're Tom Herman? Plan at home. This is your opportunity. Like, you want to see boo birds come out. They'll be booing Tom Herman and Austin at this game if, if Texas loses this game. I mean, it could get ugly for him. And USC, like, they had a rough game last week against Stanford, pl- taking the young quarterback, a true freshman, on the road. That was a tough environment to put him in. You wonder how he does back-to-back weeks. You know, we just talked about it, dealing with adversity. How does he respond to that? But this game for me is more about Texas and the pressure it puts on Tom Herman if he doesn't find a way to win this one. Yeah, uh, USC was... And I was was glad that he finally finally like picked a quarterback. I was glad that he stuck with Sam Ellinger uh, in this spot because last year he was rolling quarterbacks back and forth. I never think that's a good situation. Um, so it'll be it's going to be a crazy game for for uh, for Texas to get in this one. And then as far as with both these programs, we look at the national picture. All right, where you know where is each program nationally? USC is closer than we think. Clay Helton had back-to-back 10-win seasons, won the Pac-12 last year. They're close. They're breaking any young quarterback. I feel like they're in a better position where Texas is an absolute mess. Yeah, all right. Well, let's talk about these rolling quarterbacks real quick. You got Alabama at Ole Miss. Obviously, we've watched the Jalen Hurts uh, Tua situation kind of unfold. Tua is clearly... Uh, the guy. He does what Jalen Hurts does just better than Jalen Hurts. Plus, he plays, you know, with his arm a little bit. Do you imagine we see Jalen at all this weekend? So, um, I keep trying to figure this one out, Raja. Like, who are they going to redshirt Jalen? Like, what's the plan? And Nick Saban has been very coy about it. There was a report last week that came out that said Jalen was going to redshirt. And I assumed, oh, all right, he's not going to play against a blowout Arkansas State, but then he goes out there and plays. So is he going to play the first four games? Is he going to, like, are they going to shut it down? I I don't think you'll truly know until you see Jalen Hurts in a fifth game, which essentially means he would burn his red shirt. He wouldn't have that opportunity. So I'm going to stop guessing and just say, all right, let's see what happens. Will they roll him out there? If he doesn't play at all, maybe that'll give us a little bit of an indication this game for me comes down to weather. You know, we're seeing this storm come through the south, Hurricane Florence. Ole Miss has maybe the best wide receiving core in the country. They could have a chance with Jacob Ta'amu to put up some points against Alabama, which would make things interesting. They've had a lot of success in recent history against Alabama, so I don't think they're intimidated by them. But ultimately, again, haves, have-nots. Alabama is in the haves, and Ole Miss isn't. So I would, you know, I would, I would expect more of the same to continue. I, I I need you to help me out because you're not here um, for me to do this face to face. So we'll just do it over the air. Do I have to have any concern about the Canes going to Toledo? First of all, it doesn't sound like a game where the Canes should be going to Toledo, but Toledo's sneaky good, and they hung some points on Miami last year. Miami was better than they are this year. 
Yeah, I don't think they should be that worried about it. I'm more worried about Florida State against Syracuse. Like, that's, you know, <laughs> you're playing against a MAC opponent. You should be able to handle your business. Florida State, three-point favorite. I got, you know, bets on the line with Hannah. Like, we're running those out there. I'm much more worried about Florida State. I think your Canes are going to be fine. I think they'll right. be fine in this one. All right, cool. I appreciate that. So let's, I let's would, go. I would huh. like to see them develop another quarterback, though. Start getting some of these other guys in the rotation. The Cozy Perry. Like, they've got to figure out. Who's going to be their quarterback? And unfortunately, I don't think it's Malik, Malik Rozier. Yeah, I, I'm going to contradict myself because I said I don't love that. But in my Hurricanes, like in, in their case, go ahead and roll out two, three quarterbacks. Let's figure out who the guy is. By the way, Raja, did you? I didn't text it to you. I texted to Coca and Debo. Did you see? There's a team that's knocking off the backpack. No. no. There's another. What? There's another back turnover backpack. Yeah, Charlotte University of Charlotte broke it out. They had a game last night. Except the thing that they got over the Florida State backpack, it's actually a pretty sweet Louie. Like it's oh, a Louie yeah. bag. <laughs> it's got like the shark logo on it. It's a Supreme Edition. Yeah. Like it's pretty tight. But That's... all of them, I don't care if it's Louie, Gucci, whatever it is, just lose the backpack. Well, I, you know what? I was listening to my buddy, my neighbor, Channing Crowder, right? And he was saying, he had a yeah. great point. He was like, part of the magic of the Miami backpack, I mean, the Miami uh, turnover chain is like everybody goes out, makes their own turnover chain. They're rocking them in the stadium. Like, you can't bring a backpack into the stadium. So no one can participate, like, in this this turnover backpack like why like you just picked the wrong thing uh to celebrate turnovers but anyway we gotta go to break danny let's uh we got moving the line next socially relevant um and then we'll get to leftovers all of that up next on off the bench with canel and bell hey welcome back to off the bench with canel and bell um Look, Danny, we got a segment, you know, obviously moving the line. I hate to rub this in, dude, but I know how competitive you are. Uh, and entering week two, you're two and four. Do you have any idea what I am? Yeah, I know what you are. I know what you are. I don't <laughs> well, walk for those of you who can't see the graphic that's like squarely in front of me, it's really bright. I appreciate yeah. that. I'm five we and take one. It down already. We take it down, but like we've seen it long enough. Let's move <laughs> the graphic. Thank you. Get Let's that off the board. Get so, it off. Get it out. Get so that out of here. Happens. This happens. So I look at the research I'm doing, by the way. This is all my, I've been taking notes, just furious notes, studying extra film to get ready for this one. In golf tournaments, I've played in some golf tournaments where, you know, like the celebrity golf tournaments where they have the leaderboard and they walk around and they have your scores on it. Yeah. I've actually had to go over to the little kid that does the scores and said, Hey, <clears throat> can you take my score down? It's getting <laughs> ugly. Like we're going to have to stop using the graphic if this doesn't get better, but I feel good about my picks this week. All right. Well, let's get into it. I'll give you a chance hey, to get some get back. Suit. Shooters shoot. Got to get back up there. Right That's back at it. Let's go. Correct. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, baby. So here we go. First shot. Chargers at the Bills. Um, Chargers are laying seven and a half. What you got? All right. So this is the home dog scenario that I usually would love, especially with a big line in this one. I think this is the ultimate overreaction line. Chargers are good. Bills are a disaster. Josh Allen making his first start. I actually love the under better. If you get under 43, take that one. But I'm going to shock the world. I'm going to take the Bills as the home dog. Don't Um. be shocked. Ugly, ugly, low-scoring game. They're very contained. Don't do a whole lot. Kind of muck it up and watch the Bills cover. You are are now two and five. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm taking the Chargers to cover. The Bills, I mean, you got Nathan – like what's his name Nathan uh McVay and hey, Sean Peterman and like there it's just it's a mess let the Josh Allen era begin it's a mess I just think I think Josh Allen is going to be a little overwhelmed you know what like I've never really bet you know that and so um 
these numbers, like they throw around these big numbers and typically like I don't care about them, but they usually are like right around the number, right? So I should probably take a page out of your book, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Chargers to cover. I think they win by 10. Um, yeah. Let's get hey, to a man, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to a pick em. Uh We got the Patriots and the Jaguars. We, t- we talked about it earlier in the show. What do you got? All right, this one scares me because a pissed-off Tom Brady is somebody you don't want to mess with, but I think the Jaguars are a better football team, complete, top from bottom, defensively and offensively. The glaring of weakness, of course, is the quarterback position, but I actually like the Jaguars in this spot early on. I think this is one of those revenge factor games. The Jags are still thinking, hey, we were up 14-3, to uh, you know, blew that lead last year in the AFC Championship game, so I like the Jaguars in this spot. I would love to fade you, and I should fade you, except I already gave my pick. So I'm going to take the Jaguars, too. I think you are correct. I think um, home field, a little give back from last year. And generally speaking, like defenses kind of round into form earlier than offenses round into form. I think that's true for a lot of sports. So I'm going to go with the Jaguars as well. All right, Giants, Cowboys. Um, the Giants, what is it, the Cowboys minus three? Yep, Cowboys are a three-point favorite playing at home. Do you realize, and I know it's early and we use this term a lot, but this is a must-win game for both of these teams. This is a must-win t- uh, game. They're both 0-1. The percentage of teams that advance to the playoffs after starting 0-2 is only 11%. So this, you, and it's like this could determine the fate of Jason Garrett. Like if he loses this game at home, he could be on the hot seat. Uh, the Giants, you know, they're trying to have this sense of urgency with Eli Manning. I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to go with the Cowboys to cover in this spot. I, I don't love this game. I don't like it. I'd probably avoid it if I was giving like official gambling advice as opposed to just our picks. Um, but I'm going to take the Cowboys in this spot. Man, I got to fade you again. I'm taking the Giants. Um, I think they get that offense clicking defensively. I think they'll be all right. And it's incredible to think that if one of these teams goes 0 and 2 off the bat, I heard the stat the other day as well, like that they only have an 11 percent chance of making the playoffs. So to have a must win. And the hope win, for those teams, the hopes for those teams are the Saints did it last year. The Saints were 0 and 2 last year, made it to the playoffs. You know, almost made it to the NFC Championship game. So there is hope. Like if you're a coach, you come in there and you say, Hey, look, the Saints did it last year. But it really does not help you, uh, you know, to put yourself behind the eight ball like that. Well, consider yourself faded on that one. Let's keep it moving. Ohio State, TCU, Ohio State, 12 and a half, minus 12 and a half. All right. And this game, I actually love the over the most. But since we don't do that and we put us in a tougher spot, I'm going to take Ohio State to cover haves and have nots. This game scares me a little bit. I think uh, uh, Ohio State late in this game could pull away with like that closeout touchdown. Uh, J.K. Dobbins runs away for breaks away from one. Maybe when they're in a four-minute drill, trying to run out the clock. I think Ohio State wins by two touchdowns. Ooh, okay. I fade you again. I'm taking TCU. I just think I don't know why. Don't I have no analysis on it. I just, just feel like it's going to be a little just fade me. Yeah, I got all these analytics written down here. Yeah, it's just you just fade me and you'll be fine. <laughs> it's a general rule of thumb. Fade Danny. We'll be good. All right. Last one. LSU Auburn. Uh, Auburn minus ten and a half. I'm giving you guys bonus picks. I like the under in this game because I think LSU is not going to be able to do much offensively, um, trying to get Joe Burrows comfortable in this system. I like Auburn at home. I think this is the statement game for Auburn where after this game we're talking about Auburn as a playoff contender to possibly go toe-to-toe with Alabama. I think this is an Auburn win in blowout fashion where they kind of put their stamp on the season early uh, and kind of an, announce themselves as national championship contenders. 
I agree with you. I'm taking Auburn. I think like Clemson and, and Bama, they get that defensive line credit, but I think Auburn's is real and they're going to be all over Joe Burrows. I think it's going to get ugly for them. So I'll take Auburn at home. All right, real quick, Danny, there's a huge boxing match. Are you a boxing fan? Nah. Are you? Right. Like when, when Conor yeah. McGregor's fighting Floyd Mayweather, I'll throw that on. It's just <sighs> boxing has kind of gone by the wayside. Like where are the, the superstars? And I know Triple G is a guy who's kind of emerged as this, you know, star of the sport. It just doesn't do it for me. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I like the big matchups. And, to, and this weekend, you got Triple G and Canelo uh, going at it. And right now, we got a little sound from Brian Campbell on the fight. So let's see what he's got to say. Look, a lot of us thought Gennady already won the first time around. We're one year later. We can't look past the fact that Gennady is 36 years old. But how we handicap this fight is no different 12 months later to a certain degree than the first time around. If you're telling me I can pick a guy in Golovkin who's the bigger fighter, the bigger puncher, throws more punches overall, and maybe coming into this rematch is filled with a lot of anger, a lot of spite at how things played out over the last 12 months, has a lot of pressure to get that career-defining W. It's going to be hard for me to pick against Golovkin, but if he's going to do that, here's what it's got to be. Don't leave it in the judges' hands. If there's one thing Gennady failed at the first time around, showed too much respect for Canelo's punching power, did not make Alvarez pay for hanging on the ropes and cornering himself and catching a breather. Gennady's going to have to go all in, be that Kazakh crusher we all fell in love with many years ago. His career may really come down to this fight. I like Golovkin by late stoppage. I think he is that destroyer we all thought he was. He's got to go in there and take no prisoners and get it done. It won't be easy. Alvarez can swivel and shift and get away from shots. But when Gennady gets you cornered, typically he takes care of business. Socially relevant. I couldn't have have said that any better myself. Um, Donovan Mitchell, all right? Apparently Mm -hmm. uh, there's a video, now let's check this out, of him rubbing Ricky Rubio's feet. Oh, boy. What is going? So they're at the they're no. at the you know the pedicure no. Manny Petties. They're getting Manny Petties. This is a little awkward. Like, did he lose a bet? This has to be lost a bet, right? Like, I'm not rubbing another player's feet. Like, that's not what. I don't I care if it go is near a my bet. Wife's feet. I'm not. I won't even go near my wife's feet. Like, I just don't like feet. Like, they're kind of nasty, right? You're anti like, feet. I rub my yeah. wife's feet. I rub my. I, do you <laughs> do you enjoy a foot rub? Like, if you when you got massages when you played, did you like your feet being rubbed? Yeah, of course. Everybody likes their foot rub. I just don't, I don't. like going near anybody else's feet. Oh, you don't? It wigs you out? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy like the sensation of having my feet rubbed. Like it feels like, you know, when you get your palm rubbed like right in there and it hurts a little bit? Yep. That's how my feet feel. I would rather, I would rather have my head and scalp rubbed than my feet though. Like that's what the, like when they cap that off in the spa, in the spa, when you finish up a massage and they give you the head rub, like that to me is the best part of it. I got you. I got you. All right. Well, so we got Le'Veon Bell. This is on Instagram. Le'Veon Bell shows support uh, for James Conner, which is pr- pretty cool. I think that's a cool gesture. Um, what's he got there? Has been uh, voted player of the week. Yeah, I, I think that's cool, man. Look, Le'Veon's caught a lot of shade, obviously, for not being around. And some of his teammates started to throw him under the bus, you know, a, a couple weeks ago. But I think this is a cool gesture for him. This is a guy who's, you know, stepping into his shoes and doing pretty well for himself, right? I'm sure they have a pretty good relationship. Like James Conner's a great kid. He played at Pitt. He's a cancer survivor. I think Le'Veon. The only the only thing I'm skeptical of is that Le'Veon has realized he's taken a hit as far as the public perception of him. Which 
right or wrong. I think it's just a fact of the matter that Steelers fans, his own locker room, they're all saying, Le'Veon, what are you doing? Like, we don't, you know, we need you back or just, just leave us alone. I think there, there's part of me, the skeptic in me that says he did this just to try to gain back some public support from the Steelers fans, from his teammates. But ultimately, like, I think he does get along with James Conner and he likes the guy. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's a huge deal. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I think people have made this out to be more than it is. This is a, this is a guy about his money. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think that he has the animosity towards his teammates. Uh, you could, you can have a great relationship with your teammates on even your coaches on a team and, and get sideways with management. And I think this is one of those situations. Um, so Cubs, um, what is he? First baseman, Anthony Rizzo travels in his full uniform. Um, in it on Instagram, like what? <laughs> this is fantastic. Doesn't this remind you of high school? Like that's the first thing I think of is it reminds me of high school. Like you go back, you traveled in your unis, you didn't have a locker room, like you just showed up, and it was the best. Like I missed those days. This to me, a lot of baseball teams at this point in the season, they start doing theme stuff. Joe Madden, this Cubs team, has been getting challenged from the Milwaukee Brewers, so they're doing something to try to loosen themselves up. And that's a typical trick from Madden is like, hey, let's, let's do a theme trip where you travel in some sort of costume. And Anthony Rizzo's like, all right, I'll travel in my uni. I kind of like it. You like the uni? Oh, come on, man. You yeah. can travel in a costume and you pick your game uniform? Yes. Bro, hey, he should have. But it's unique. Nobody does it. He should have came out there in like a Black Panther Wakanda forever. That would have been funny. <laughs> Yeah, um, I like that, <laughs> that would have been a good one. All right, so last one. We got a syrup coach update. We got some video uh, with a little bit of sound. Coach tweeted at us. Uh, this is the guy who does what is what is it like the pancake, the syrup for pancake, pancake blocks. blocks. All right. Yeah, I love this. Hey, now it's time for syrup. Hit me. Ah, hit me. Ah, ah. Mm, yum yum. So great. I can't tell you. That is my favorite, absolute favorite thing that any team across the country, whether it's college pro, turnover chain, get that out of here. Give me some syrup, man. Give me some syrup for the big boys up front. I love it. I actually like that too. That's pretty cool. All right, we're going to go to break again. Coming up next, we've got some leftovers. Uh, we'll talk D Wade, Kyrie, Michael Kendricks, um, and Davidson beat the brakes off of somebody. All that's up next uh, on Off the Bench with Canel and Bell. Yeah, let's get into some leftovers, bro. We were debating on which ones we keep. But let's start with the top one uh, for me. It's Kyrie talking about being the number one target of the Knicks next summer. Um, look, I think it makes sense for the Knicks to target Kyrie. I don't know how much Kyrie is targeting the Knicks. Uh, but clearly when you've got um, a franchise that's been mired kind of in, in mediocrity or less over the last few years when you're talking about the Knicks. Like, you need a star in the building. You've got Chris Stapps. Um, Kyrie is an electrifying point guard. He's from the New Jersey area. Um, he he is what you want to put on stage there in New York, um, and that's what it is. That's what Madison Square Garden is. It's a stage, and Kyrie can dance with the best of them. I mean, he's electrifying as a point guard. So for me, it makes sense, um, and I hope that – you know, Kyrie will entertain offers next year. I think a lot of that's going to be predicated on on what the Celtics do this year. What, what do you think about it, Dan? You got any kind of do it, on? do it, do it, Kyrie? Go to New York. I'm telling you, if a basketball player could go and take the Knicks and make them relevant again, because as much as we talk about them, they've been irrelevant. If Kyrie went to New York and was able to even make a deep run in the playoffs, 
he would be set for life. I would love to see the Knicks become relevant. I think Kyrie would be the guy to do it. So I hope he takes it seriously. Set for life? What do you mean? That guy set for seven lifetimes. You talk about set for life. Set for, <laughs> um, <laughs> true. <laughs> right? True. Somebody else real quick who's been set for, who's set for life. Dwayne Wade, he says he wants to be comfortable with his role in Miami. He wants to play more than 22 minutes per game. Uh, and that's what he averaged last year. And this is, look, I know that the Miami franchise, like it is Wade County. D. Wade's been the face of the franchise, and he probably will be for a long time. But this is where it gets interesting, where guys like later in their career have a hard time accepting that role. Like I was one of those guys, and it becomes tricky when you've got a core of young players who, like, who knows whether they can fight for a sixth, seventh, or eighth spot in the East. But you saw it happen to some degree in Chicago with D. Wade, and it happened a little bit in Cleveland. Like now. You know, you've got a sample size. You kind of know that that's what D Wade's going to do, and he's just not flash anymore. Like oh, it happens to everybody. Father time catches up. Yep. Well, like stay healthy for once too. Before you start talking about playing more minutes, and now he's always has a pretty good fallback plan. He could always be delivering pizzas, right? And his new business he's got, he could be out. He could be a pizza guy. Like, hey, you've got that to fall back on. He's it got. That's agree. crazy. The pizza things is kind of the hot thing right now. Um, I want to get to Davidson because I texted my nephew Ty. He's a Davidson grad. So is this impressive or not, Raja? They beat Guilford in Division Three football, 91-61. to 61. NCAA records for total yards, 964 um, total yards. Rushing yards, 685. That's insane to me. 91 points in a game was about as impressive as you get. I don't care who you're playing against. That's pretty impressive. It's not impressive, bro. You're playing Guilford. <laughs> Like, it's your local high, you're playing your local high school. I mean, you might as well be playing like a Pop Warner team. It's not impressive. <laughs> well, you know, it would have been more impressive if they didn't give up 61 points, so they needed to score 91. So how about <laughs> balance things out a little bit, Davidson? <laughs> True. All right, look, let's get to this one real quick, dude, because I know you're excited to talk this. Some golfers have admitted to being hungover during rounds. Um, nearly half of the 59 respondents, 46% to be exact, um, said that they've competed in a tour round while dealing with the hangover. This was some of their comments, Danny. Uh, these were some of their comments. One of them said, I shot 61 hungover. The other was said, I was... Eight under through 13 one time and then made a mess of it. Um, one of them said the entire 2014 season and the last said, <laughs> I made the weekend on the number, shot 60 on Saturday with a hangover and won the tournament. I think the 46% are telling the truth and I think the other uh, 54% are lying. I think they've all done it at some point. Golf is such a unique sport where, and I get it, they're more athletic now, the guys train more, they take their regimen seriously. But how many times have you had a bad round? You just had to hit the 19th hole and get in there and like have one to get the pass round past you. I think it's happened much more than that. Of course, not 100%, but I guarantee you it's higher than this 46%. Did you – so I, in the NFL, it's unique because you only play once a week. You have curfew. You're in a hotel. And I, there were players who still managed to, you know, to drink before games. Saturday for me, at the Saturday walkthrough – because Friday night was a big night guys would go out. You don't play till Sunday. So guys would say, hey, I'm going to get loose Friday night. I would literally walk into the huddle Saturday morning walkthrough and you could smell the alcohol like there was this haze around the huddle because guys had been out the night before. That was their night. But I, I don't think it should shock anybody. I mean, the NBA guys were hungover, weren't they? But you could sleep it off and play later. I mean, you could be hungover. Like, there are a lot of guys hungover and shoot around. I mean, I hung over in a few shoot arounds. Um, the question is, was anybody so wrecked that they were wound, wound up being hungover later that night, uh, during game time? Like, that would be, that would be a better question. <laughs> you guys um, went on pretty good if you had they, that situation. Hey, look, they found a picture of your backpack, man. I hadn't seen it. Look, throw that up there, Coco. We have it. The Charlotte backpack. <laughs> 
There Ooh. it is. That's a sweet Louis bag. I kind of like that one. But don't do it for a turnover. Just end the backpack. End that thing. It's Those stupid. are impermissible benefits, bro. You can't ha- you can't be giving out Louis V backpacks. Like that's that's got to be right. a, a violation. It's probably a knockoff anyway.